one. Fast, efficient and affordable business grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 755 of the Aussie Techheads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Topkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How's things going up north? Wet. Wet? Really? Like What's going on with that? Stupid. It hasn't stopped raining in like four days. Yeah. And there's more in the way. came down from, um, from Bundaberg. They had floods and stuff up there, and he said the whole time he was on holidays up there, it just rained constantly and flooded. And yeah, one of my customers was um, just had to get their vehicle. Um, well, they had to leave it in Northern Territory and fly back. They couldn't get through. Oh, they geez. couldn't. The highways were shut back to. They had to come back to work, so they left their vehicle up there and flew back to here. And they're going to go back like I think it's like two weeks and try and two or three dry. weeks let it dry out, and then I'll try and bring it back. Wow, mm. that is nuts. It really is. Like, it's, yeah. Um, we've gone from having, you know, ridiculously bone dry. We had what was called a green drought, which is basically just enough drizzle occasionally to keep the grass green and the trees growing. Yep. But effectively, like, the dams were drying up and we, we were running low on water. And now we've got. The problem is we're still kind of in a drought because most of the water, it hasn't really rained much over the dam catchment areas, so the dams are still low. Yep. Um, but we're getting flooding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still in a drought, but we've got floods. Find out where where the flooding's happening and move <laughs> the dam. There. Well, there was actually supposed to be a dam in one of those particular places, but um, oh, what's his name? Whoever it was, the stupid environmental minister guy. Goes, oh, it'll never rain enough to fill a dam. Well, it's rained enough to fill that thing ten times over just in the last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. Um, he was saying they got something like, was it 600 mil in a day, half a day or something? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was ridiculous amounts. Of, I mean, yeah, it was yeah half a metre, a bit over half a metre in a, a day. And they had that like one day, then they only got like 200 mil the next day. Then they got like 500 mil the next day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It was just a wall it was of like, water. like, that's their whole normal yearly amount. Oh, yeah, it was more than that. Well, even somewhere like um, um, Swan Hill, which is technically, I think their average rainfall a year is like four mil more than what's classified as a desert. Yeah. So they're basically a desert. And they've had like 16 years worth of rain in like two wow. weeks. Jeez. <laughs> so... I think it's Swan Hill and Madura, somewhere down there. So, yeah, it's it's not just Queensland. It's, it's all over. It's like, so. sorry, sorry, we make up for the last 16 years. <laughs> we'll just give it all to you now since since we've been holding back oh, on yours. 
it's really weird. Um, yeah, I, uh, but the thing is, it has been so muggy. Like, it hasn't dropped below 90% humidity for four or five days. Yeah. So everything's just... Like, we've had the aircon in the house just to dry the house out. Because wow. everything's just so wet just from the humidity. Even if it hasn't actually been wet. It, like, at work, where we don't have an aircon, like, the bench tops and everything is just damp all the time. Oh, man. It'd be terrible to work with. <laughs> it's so bad. The floor's always slippery because it's just got this fine mist, fine film of moisture on it, you know. Yeah. So you just got to be super careful. But, um, yeah, we had... Was it last night or yesterday afternoon? We had 16 mil in like three minutes or something. It was just no rain and then it was just a wall of water and it was no rain again. (laughs) (laughs) How do you, what do you do with that? (laughs) We've had nothing like that here. It's just been occasionally overcast and that's about it. Yeah, well, that's not a bad thing. You guys have got flooded last year, so you made up for it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we had we had the, the bushfires took out all the trees and then we had flooding and now we're having a little bit of a break touch wood letting everything settle back in, in again yeah yeah so in the meantime i've just been doing my old vz game porting uh creating a version of rogue an old game from the 80s it just uses ascii characters so, for all of the terrain and the monsters and the main players and that's mine and stuff it's like a step up from zork yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cross between zork and legend of zelda yeah. it's like <laughs> kind of looks like that didn't we um yeah that's it wasn't there a um did i send you that link the guy who remember you know me uh, so a lot of people have heard of zork but not a lot of people heard of mist but it was kind of the same game. And then later on, it became more and more advanced, got more graphics. It actually became a full-blown um, like first-person puzzle game, basically. But um, did I send you the link about from the creator interviewed? And it was basically saying that he almost didn't bother to write the game. Oh, right. Like, he ran into, like you're running into, um, limitations and all sorts of stuff. And he's like, oh, I can't be bothered. Yep. And it almost didn't exist. Like, it's only... You have to watch it if if you're into that sort of thing. Um, go watch it on YouTube. But uh, basically, yeah, the game almost didn't exist. Which, if you're into that style of game, Mist is one of the pivotal games of that era in the way it it redesigned or restructured what was what was sort of, um, I guess what was becoming a dying sort of franchise. They, you know. Yep. So, um, there's a couple of guys that have been busy on the VZ uh, Facebook page. They released Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy port, and which um, I still I've got to have a look at that. They did Zork, they did a pirate one, and now they're working on the leather goddesses of Phobos, which is a bit um, of a naughty adventure I was game. Say, that sounds com. somewhat interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I've never actually played it. I've I probably had a copy of it years and years ago on a Commodore 64 or something, but getting it to work on the VZ, he said, is very, very difficult because there's not very much RAM and there's only a little bit of... um, The floppies are only 78K on each side. So trying to fit all of the um, dialogue and everything into 
one floppy disk. So usually you load it up on one <clears throat> one disk image, and then you switch over to the actual data for all the places you're visiting and how it's all laid out and stuff. But they reckon they're going to do it. So okay. they're having fun, and we're getting all these new adventure games that we never had back in the day because everyone said it couldn't be done. It's funny like that, isn't it? Like, there's more progress being made now with For old the retro te- computers. Yeah, with old technology. I mean, is it is it because there are like memory expansions and stuff available, or is it just because people understand the process more and are able to do more with it? I think there's a lot more resources. I I'd never made a vis- an assembly game or any other language back in those days because it was just so complicated and there wasn't a lot of resources particularly in australia i mean over in the uk there were a lot um i'm making stuff now only because i'm writing the tools that are helping me port stuff to the vz but um yeah haven't and um also i think for the cross compiling back in those days to make vz games there was a guy um greg dubois who was uh on the team, Dubois and McNamara made a lot of the arcade game ports for the VZ for Ghost Hunter was Pac-Man and Hoppy for Frogger and stuff like that. And he actually had a TRS-80 and he programmed it on there because it's Z80 as well, cross-compiled it. And then he had a, a network that he'd made himself out of cables plugged from there to the VZ and just had a little loader program on the VZ. So he could do some programming, shoot it down the wire, boot it up on the VZ if it crashed or didn't do the right thing you're only down like 30 seconds to a minute or something instead of waiting 10 minutes for it to load off a cassette and then mm. finding it crashed and then having to re-record it and stuff so being able to cross compile on a powerful computer like we've got with our Windows and Linux and stuff these days is really helpful well I guess because you can like instant, literally instantly look at what you've just done yeah, with the emulators on Windows. Linux. Yeah, yep. it's um, it makes sense, I guess. But I guess too, as you said, it's more accessible. Like when I was, I mean, I had Commodore sixty fours and Amstrads and stuff, and I had a book that told me how to program. Like it came with an instruction manual, and it said you can, you know, you want to make a. I think the most advanced I ever got was a random number generator. Yeah, you know, I made that. I followed the prompts and like, yeah, whatever. And then I got into school, and it was all MS-DOS and Windows, and the closest you got to programming was, like, BASIC and Pascal. Yeah. You know, and they're not exactly future-proof. The only thing we had at school was BASIC, and that was it. Yeah, well, I could we, be BASIC. We had BASIC, and then once I got into high school, they introduced Pascal, because de- I think it was default into DOS at that point. Oh. Um, we didn't have anything that fancy. We were still on micro-Bs and stuff when I left high school. Yeah. Well, it's funny. But you're though, young I'm, fellas. I'm, I'm not that much young. I mean, I come a little bit younger than you, but <laughs> yeah. But in that time, I went from uh, in my early primary, they had Apple Twos, yep. and then mid primary we had three eight sixes. By the end of primary school, we had four eight sixes. At the start of high school, they just transitioned into like Pentium nineties, and by yep. the time I was leaving high school, they were at like you know Pentium, um, like. I think they'll just bring in Pentium 3s. So, right. it's funny, like, I, I'm only, like, as I said, I'm only 10 years behind you going through the school system, but in that, you know, 10, and I was only at school for 10 years, I, I didn't go to the last couple of years, and, but we went through, 
what, six generations of computer in 10 years wow. of school, you know. <laughs> Whereas when you went to school, you were just introduced to one generation of computer. The first one, yes. You know? <laughs> but then in the one I went through, I went through six or seven. No, actually, we had, a, we had um, an art class. We had uh, Amstrads at the time because Amstrads were, were the most powerful, uh, I guess, graphics design computers at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we yeah we went through six or seven generations of of computer and like no wonder I didn't actually I learned a lot about a lot but I didn't learn I learned a little about a lot I didn't learn a lot about anything because we didn't have yeah. the one thing there long enough to learn that much about it you know <laughs> <coughs> we went Changing from too fast we went from completely independent computers with the apples to the three eight sixes that were all um, networked together. And they all booted off the server's hard drive to into Windows. Then once we got into Windows, we'd save our files onto our big floppy disk, and that was <laughs> our like our data. <clears throat> the teacher would take that, but we discovered halfway through the year that if we say went into mouse properties and changed the mouse from right-handed to left-handed, we'd completely screw over the next class because it would change it on all the computers because they all booted a common OS. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, so uh, you know, simple stuff like that, and then you progress to bigger and better tricks, like you know, figuring out you can unplug the Terminator off the end of a off the end of a <laughs> network and completely bring it down the entire network, and <laughs> <laughs> or you could format uh, MBR and it wouldn't affect the computer till somebody rebooted it later that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it went from harmless pranks to completely destroying servers by the end of year ten. <laughs> <laughs> We also had a guy, um, Jason Weber, was asking on the VZ group a lot of questions. He'd borrowed uh, some VZ computer parts peripherals and stuff from uh, Ben Venn, who does electronics. He has got a little shop online that he sells electronics. He did the um, memory upgrade and SD card cartridge that I use for testing my games on real VZ. And um, his YouTube channel is... Uh, Mr. Lurch's things, and he did a whole video presentation on the VZ200, 300, and Laser, and that, and played some games on there and showcased three of my games. Nice. And um, he's got like, I think, three and a half thousand subscribers or something. So a lot of people commenting on there. And one person actually said, Oh, it's about time Jason Oakley's games got <laughs> this showcased on YouTube by somebody. So uh, I was like, uh, Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> somebody, that, I got a fan somewhere. It wasn't me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it was, but I, I didn't know this person. But yeah, this so it's a good uh, video if you want to watch that. He talks about a bit of the history of the VZ, showcases some of my games. And somebody else said, Oh, when I originally saw the VZs, I thought, oh, what terrible colour scheme for graphics and stuff, but watching these newer modern games, I think it's pretty good, actually. So, um... Uh, yeah, I mean, like it's... it's games. It kind of was, in some respects. Yep. So... But, um, we had a... Listen, I'm just trying to, um... Bring up... Do you want to thank the... Uh, one trying to find this, do you want to thank the, uh, patrons and all that sort of stuff yeah. for us? Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for subscribing to our Patreon and coffee and however else you send us money. We usually have uh, big yellow bouncing skulls and things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we appreciate it. It keeps us going. Um, pays for our account on Zoom because uh, we record all of these via Zoom. We tried, like, 
10 to 15 different video chat programs and in the end zoom was the only one that was stable and worked every time so yeah, really we have an account there and pay for it and uh just shows that you appreciate our show and uh sometimes we even get uh people writing in we got something recently a guy said that it was about time that we started talking about some linux on yeah, our show which I, was, I thought we did on and off but i was it, just looking him up uh don brown a dom a dom brown yeah uh the dom uh yeah i just looked that up actually and uh, before i go into that there will be kind of a weird delay going on at the moment because um i'm still getting my new system set up and i don't have all my uh obs stuff in place so i'm doing a lot of post-production which takes me a couple of days to get the time to do it so like last week the sh- the show got or the week before the show got uploaded like the wednesday then we did another show the thursday which yeah. came out on the saturday so yeah, the schedule's <laughs> going to be a little bit screwy the i'm trying to get the podcast up either either wednesday night or uh, thursday night or friday night um but the videos could take a little while but yeah dom um yeah he said um uh yeah finally linux chat which is true we we, we do touch on it. we don't talk about it much and then he was saying that actually one thing I forgot to mention when I was talking about um, the Pop OS, he's saying System76, who who makes Pop OS and they do all the hardware that goes with it, um, they're actually slightly rebuilding Pop OS to use Rust instead of um, yep. instead of uh, Ubuntu, I think they are. So that's going to really, I mean, it's already a stupid fast operating system. That's just going to make that even more so. Yep, it'll still be Ubuntu because Rust is a programming well, language that run their software on uh, yeah but it, it, it's like they're converting yeah. their probably the user interface and it's moving away um, from the, the traditional the, ubuntu yeah. style that it's using at the moment yeah which means it's gonna be a lot more lightweight not that x-win's super heavy but um yeah i mean you put it on some slow small computers and stuff and it went better than windows didn't it oh absolutely i've, I've got this on just for testing so i've actually um and on nux I'm making a um, retro arcade system, um, and I've got this on. Uh, it's a um, Intel NUC. It's like a 1.9 or two gig processor, Atom processor, two, twin core Atom processor, with yep. four gig of RAM, and it's stupid fast. It really is. So, and it's just got a little built-on uh, Intel H- graphics HD, you know, graphics card. Nothing special. But um, it runs so fast on that it's it's insane. So so there's that. Um, you were speaking of Linux. You do have a Linux story, but just quickly before that, um, no, you don't have a Linux story. You got an Nvidia story. Oh, oh, oh yeah, you've Linux. got a story. Linux story later. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I swear, I know what I'm doing. I promise. Um, <laughs> we're professionals. Damn it. <laughs> we're something. What was I going to say? Uh, Oh, that's it. I'm I'm lost completely. Oh, we discovered just before the show, and it looks really horrible. And I need to watch it later. That at some point, I'm guessing it was in the early late eighties. I'm assuming very early eighties. Early eighties was it? They decided that it was going to be a really good idea to do an Australian version of. Um, are you being? I was going to say keeping appearances, but yeah, are you being served? With John Inman, still Mr. Humphreys. Yeah, he's still Mr. Humphreys. And most of the other cast, like um, Shane Bourne, and they're all Aussies, Shane Bourne and a few others, but they're almost playing 
like the exact same character they would have if it was in the UK. It's not not like they even tried to rewrite it for the Australian <laughs> audience. They literally just took different, just actors, different actors and gave them the same. It's like <laughs> Doctor Who. It works there, so. So that's something interesting we're going to have to check out later. <laughs> Two seasons, I saw eight episodes in each season. Uh, that, that's like that a, all right, but uh, I mean, Shane Bourne acting, you don't see that a lot. Um, well, I mean, you, well, he, I, I don't know, unless you see that all the time. <laughs> Is he ever not acting? I mean, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I might even do something I don't normally do. I might even do a uh, a watch along review with that one. Yep. It sounds like something that I really need to <laughs> talk live about while I'm watching it, I think. Yeah. Oh, dear. What's your brain melt? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> what the heck's going on? <laughs> anyway, enough news. of that. <laughs> yep. Linux users on Tuesday got a major dose of bad news. A 12-year-old vulnerability in a system tool called Polkit gives attackers unfettered root privileges on machines running most major distributions of the operating open source operating system. Previously called PolicyKit, PolKit manages system-wide privileges on Unix-like OSs. It provides a mechanism for non-privileged processes to safely interact with privileged processes. It allows users to execute commands with high privileges by using a component called pkexec followed by the command. Like most OSs, Linux provides a hierarchy of permission levels that controls when and what apps or users can interact with sensitive system resources. The design is intended to limit the damage that can happen if a user isn't trusted to have administrative control of a network or if the app is hacked or malicious. Since 2009, PKExec has contained a memory corruption vulnerability that people with limited control of a vulnerable machine can exploit to escalate privileges on the way to root. Exploiting the flaw is trivial and by some accounts 100% reliable. Attackers who have already have a toehold on a vulnerable machine can abuse the vulnerability to ensure a malicious payload or command runs with the highest system rights available. PwnKit, as the researchers calling the vulnerability, is also exploitable, even if PolKit daemon itself is running. PwnKit was discovered by researchers from security firm Qualys in November and was disclosed on Tuesday after being patched in most Linux distributions. We expect that the exploit will become public soon and the attackers will start exploiting it. This is especially dangerous for any multi-user system that allows shell access to users. A penetration tester and handler at Sans wrote, the researcher said he has successfully recreated an exploit that worked on a machine running Ubuntu 20.04. The Qualys researchers aren't the only ones to stumble upon this vulnerability, or at least a very similar bug. In 2013, researcher Ryan Mallon publicly reported much the same bug and even wrote a patch, even though he ultimately couldn't find a way to exploit the vulnerability. And last June, GitHub security researcher Kevin Backhouse also reported a privileged escalation vulnerability and received the tracking designation of CVE 2021-3560 and a patch from major Linux distributors. Major Linux distributors have released patches for the vulnerability and security professionals are strongly urging administrators to prioritize installing the patch. Those who can't patch immediately should use the chmod0755 user bin pkexec command to remove the suid bit from pkexec, which prevents it from running as root when executed by a non-privileged user. 
Those who want to know if the vulnerability has been exploited on their systems can check for log entries that either say the value for shell variable was not found in etc. shells file, or the value for the environment variable contains suspicious content. Qualys, however, cautioned people that PwnKit is also exploitable without leaving any traces. Now, this morning I ran a sudo apt update on my Linux server that we run our gaming stuff on, and the only update it has was fixing that. Yeah, I had that update come through automatically on Pop today. Um, they had one attempt at it this morning, but apparently they didn't get it, so they sent out another one tonight. Oh, just right. before the show, so I think they've. I haven't done the. I haven't run the thing to see if it fixed it, but yep. apparently it did. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, they're saying, okay, yes, it's an exploit, but nobody's actually been able to figure out anything to do with it. Like, okay, they can access... You have to actually get an account on the server first, so there has to be some other exploit to get you on as a user account before you can escalate to a root on Which, their on a, on a commercial server is very highly unlikely. On a system like yours or mine, probably, the default gives you guest access and stuff like that, so you could probably get on that way, but in a commercial application, that's going to be pretty rare. Um, They'll have a lot of firewall rules and tripwires and stuff. Yeah, unless you're the Baronaldshire Council and you you had ad, admin one, admin and admin one. Login was the username and admin and admin one was the login for the username. <laughs> but uh, so we it was funny. It was one of the few, we de-escalated the privileges on admin and used admin one because nobody knew. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, but it's one of those things we've always said Linux is very secure remotely and generally only has exploits if you have physical access to the system. Yeah. Um, I guess this is one of the few exceptions of it. But as I said, like it's not a very practical exploit. I mean, they can't really... I mean, I, I'd imagine there's probably a few little things you could do, but as you said, without user access. And if you can get user access, well, that's kind of irrelevant because you've got user access anyway. And yeah. Yeah. You know, keep so, them out of the server in the first place. You don't have the problem. Yeah, well, that's that's it. Um, or you know, just store everything in trash because that works, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> trash eighties <laughs> or garbage. They were unhackable because they went on the internet. Yeah, I was actually, I was watching a guy put his um, this is Commodore sixty four or something like that. Yep. No, no, I can't remember what it was. was that eighty. One of those things, anyway, he put on the internet the other day and fired up a billboard. Someone's putting together a cartridge that expands the RAM of the VZ, does the SD, well, not SD card, he's doing USB um, thumb drive plug-in for your games and stuff, and also Wi-Fi. Nice. I think Wi-Fi, really, you could do without everything else if you had Wi-Fi access. Yeah. You know, Extra would... memory and Wi-Fi, and I'd be able to... And some BBSs from my VZ, which would be really cool because I've never done anything like I haven't got on any BBSs ever. So, well, you take well, you have. Well, you're doing the Dragon one the other day, yeah. <laughs> so, there's actually, and we only discovered this the other day, there's actually some legit BBSs still kicking around with SSH access or Telnet access. Mm. And uh, Linux by default has Telnet in its command prompt, so I could literally just go in there and log straight into the into these. Yep. Um, there's BBSs it was brilliant the old games on there that I used to play forever ago back in the day yeah <laughs> so it was brilliant uh, that was actually a lot of fun I'd forgotten how much fun I used to have playing on those 
I remember years ago there was a um, person who had their telnet port left open and if you telnet to this port it would start printing on the screen a long time ago in a galaxy far far away <laughs> then go through the whole scroll <laughs> the text scroll that they had at the start of there, time was... but years ago there was a it was telnet, I think it was telnet access um, to one of the last real to real servers in I think it was the Melbourne University yep. you could actually telnet into it and get it to do like a memory recall from the reels and you could uh, it would, like there was a a webcam on it and you could watch the webcam so when you accessed a part of the tape you could actually watch the webcam and you could watch the reels spin back <laughs> to where they the start of the memory marker was for that particular section of tape it was actually really cool <laughs> somebody else did a um i don't know how much of it they did probably like five ten minutes of ascii character animation of star wars new hope so do this the scroll up the screen with the writing the ship and then yeah and there's another one i saw did the um the tie fighter and the x-wing battle through the through the the ship yeah the trench (laughs) yeah i've seen that one too that was cool i think they cheated a bit though well i think they did on that one they they basically um it was like a corridor crew video they took existing footage and basically re- re-rendered it mm-hmm. let him do it from scratch <laughs> um but yeah so that'd be interesting hopefully so basically if you're running linux on a server just make update. sure you do your updates I'm, they're probably not all out just yet but i can't imagine being too far away yeah so but um so we've all seen terminator we've all seen matrix we know that AI is bad. Yep. So reacher, re- research, research, researchers. Wow, I swear it's only orange juice I'm drinking. <laughs> Hang on, no vodka. No, it's only orange juice I'm drinking. <laughs> researchers decided to build AI, which is okay. It's getting around because Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Facebook. I was reading an article earlier that uh, Metaverse by the end of the year is going to have the largest AI computer in the world because that seems perfectly safe. But yeah, um, stalling at the moment. Yeah, but researchers um, are now using they're building AI specifically to build AI. <laughs> Yo, dog! We heard you like AI, so we put some AI in your AI, so you can AI while you AI. So they're using hyper networks um, to preemptively fine tune artificial neural networks, saving some time and expensive training apparently um so ai is short for artificial intelligence and i guess the definition over the years has shifted somewhat from ai being you know a robot vacuum cleaner to ai actually being a car that can drive around the world by itself you know so the the definition of ai is somewhat changed or our concept of ai has somewhat changed but the definition hasn't really gone too far it's still an artificial intelligence it's basically uh, artificial, has the ability to learn. Uh, it can learn in, in, in sort of an unusual sense of the word, but if it finds an error in what it's doing, it can correct itself to not have that error anymore. So now they're using neural networks, um, which is a whole other animal again, but... Basically, these networks are incredibly fast and incredibly powerful. Um, 
and there's billions of parameters going through this network at any one time. Um, they're basically using like a mesh network style thing and simulating the brain effectively as, as, as part of the artificial intelligence. So, but what they've decided to do is they want to have... <coughs> so, they're, they're, every time they build a computer, they've got to train it to do a particular job and, and get that robot to understand because you can't really program AI. You can program in a basic set of parameters and then the machine learning takes over and you have to train that that part that program to do what it needs to do but with using this neural network um what they're calling a hyper network they can pass that training on from one ai program to the next ai program so effectively every ai that's programmed to do one job if no other machine's done it you still have to program to do that job if another machine's done it that other machine programs this machine to do that job um, the 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 issue with that is it also means that that machine can program this machine to do its job, and that machine can program this machine to do its job, and then when this machine has a kid, effectively, everything it knows gets passed on to that machine, and then this machine's kid gets passed. So you effectively end up <laughs> breeding a smarter computer every time you create a generation of this computer. Cool. Yeah, it sounds great in theory, and if anybody's seen the movie AI or iRobot, yep. you know full well that it doesn't matter how ingrained "do not kill humans" is in programmed into these robots, <laughs> they eventually forget that. <laughs> Especially when they're working for the government. Yeah, well, I mean that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going there. Um, but Daniel Suarez <laughs> wrote a whole book about that kill decision. <laughs> yeah, and there's certain governments that are currently acting that out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they're saying that they can use it to reduce training time on AIs and to make um, faster process progress on certain things. But, um, I, s- <laughs> I strongly doubt if a robot's capable of the AI is capable of training the AI yep. the AI knows that it's like once that AI has learnt everything it can learn from that source it knows that it can learn from an external source so it's going to go hunting for an external source to learn from does that make sense? Like, in my mind, I can see this going very wrong very quickly. It all sounds like deep thoughts that going to design <laughs> the Earth to be a computer that it, it's not, it's not um, capable of the kind of programming that the Earth will do, but he'll be able to design it. Mm. But, and they're saying here that they trained... Uh, a GHN2 which I guess is the machine that they're they're using they trained it for 500 previously unknown um, concepts so there's 500 things they've taught this robot they haven't taught anything else that um, 
that robot then kind of figured out that it could learn and came up with with a something like a uh, I can't see it on here. It came up, yeah, ninety-five percent accuracy. <clears throat> it then derived two thousand five hundred more procedures uh. from those procedures that it was taught, um, and then predicted a further five thousand procedures um, with sixty percent accuracy. Wow! So not only was it taught something. It then created uh, a further five hundred, a, a further uh, what five hundred or whatever it was, uh, two thousand five hundred iterations or what it was taught. It designed, and then it theorized that there was about five thousand more it could design. Yeah, that's it's not mad. that's <laughs> no, that's bad. The AI's taking over Skynet <laughs> next minute, <laughs> and that was their first attempt at it. I, I really don't... I don't want to be around. <laughs> I mean, we're surrounded by adults that can't think and we're going to be surrounded by robots that can think, so I'm not quite sure what to make of this situation. <laughs> From CompuGlobal HyperMegaNet. <laughs> anyway, I guess time will tell on that one. Have to see. <laughs> <laughs> Just get ready to torch the skies, I guess. Yep. <laughs> Worked in the Matrix. That's it. NVIDIA is building, uh, NVIDIA is preparing to abandon its purchase of ARM from SoftBank Group Corps after offering about $40 billion for the British company in 2020. The US chipmaker has sold its partners, has told its partners it does not expect the deal to close, adding that SoftBank is stepping up preparations for an initial public offering of ARM. NVIDIA shares dropped 4.8%, leading losses among chipmakers in a broadly weaker market. An NVIDIA spokesman said the company continues to believe the acquisition provides an opportunity to accelerate ARM and boost competition and innovation. ARM and SoftBank did not respond to requests for comment. The deal has faced several regulatory hurdles with the US Federal Trade Commission suing to block it in December. The buyout is also under the scrutiny of the British and EU regulators amid concerns could push up prices and reduce choice and innovation. Earlier in the day, a European Commission filing showed that the EU antitrust regulators have resumed their investigation of the deal and set a new deadline for May 25th for their decision. Jonathan Carter, the new head of the US Justice Department Antitrust Division, has said he would seek to stop mergers that pose any competitive concerns rather than striking deals for concessions that would allow the transaction to close. Um, CEO said in July last year the company had contemplated an IPO, but that would hurt its ability to expand and invest. I do think it's safe to say the NVIDIA would likely have invested more, possibly much more than hypothetical public investors in ARM might be willing to stand, said Bernstein analyst Stacey Rasgon. Well, that's what I, when we found out a few weeks ago that they were buying for this, I said, well, hang on, aren't they doing an IPO? Like, that wasn't... They literally offered to buy it the same week they announced their IPO. Like, I don't really, I, I don't really <laughs> understand what was going on there. And I was just reading an article earlier that uh, AMD's just said, "Hey, we, we, our factories have reopened and we're back making chips, so there's no more chip shortages for us." And um, Bitcoin has dropped 
like a lead oh, balloon and what? a lot of graphics cards are there for a lot cheaper right now. <laughs> Getting cheaper all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't... I mean... That was just complete coincidence, like the timing of that, I think. But um, it doesn't matter, though, because half the graphics cards they're using now are nerfed for normal displays anyway. Like, they've so been... um, I think the 3050s were becoming popular now. Yeah. Yeah, well, you don't really know because most of the stuff that's been bought in the last 12 months has just been price-orientated. So who knows what actual... I mean, there's been developments in cards, but nobody's been able to afford a $5,000 graphics card. Yeah. You know, even if you are mining... that's the low end. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Even if you are mining Bitcoin, it doesn't... didn't have a return on investment. Which I I do wonder somewhat if that was part of the reason Bitcoin did tank. Because, as we know, it's a virtual currency and its only backing is the effort required to produce it. So if it's physically not possible to produce any more of these coins because you can't, you know, obviously the the hash rates get harder and harder and harder as this coin goes and matures. So you need more and more and more processing power to do it. But if the technology can't keep up in this case or isn't available with what's required to mine more coins, then it's like anything. It becomes stagnant. Yeah. I kind of was expecting it to crash actually sooner. I was expecting it halfway through last year, so it was more more robust than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But the funny thing is, and a lot of NFTs have gone up in value, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite <laughs> not quite sure how that worked, but I've seen a lot of prices on a lot of NFTs, and the, for some reason they've gone up, even though like up above the value of they excluding the fact that bitcoin's tanked they've you know say they're worth ten thousand us dollars they're worth fifteen thousand us dollars now even though bitcoin's tanked it's like (laughs) but aren't they directly linked to bitcoin and the price should uh, whatever i think so (laughs) i don't know I, I, i don't know i just don't know i do not have an answer um steam steam deck well is it a real thing despite what Steam has led people to believe for the last, like, two years. Um, Steam Deck has finally, or Steam has finally announced uh, it'll be coming out um, somewhere in July. Uh, Wait, wrong date, sorry. Um, Somewhere around end of February, around 25th-ish of February. It was originally supposed to come out July 2021. So I'm guessing the chip shortages wouldn't have helped. Um, but, uh, you can, so for those who don't know, Steam Deck is basically, um, basically it's a mobile handheld device, kind of reminds me of the old, uh, Atari Lynx looking deal with the top mounted keyboard, uh, top mounted buttons and stuff, but it allows you to play the vast majority of, um, Steam games. Uh, you know, the same as you would if you were playing a Switch or whatever, anything like that. So you're not not locked into your desktop. Um, there is actually an Android equivalent. There's a there's a I think I call it Steam Link, something like that. 
and it actually lets you play the game on the Android device. But the weird part about that is it launches it on your computer. All right. And it's basically just sending you screen data and you're sending it control data. Like All it, right. It uses the computer for the processing power to run the game. Um, and you're just using your phone to control your computer effectively. It was kind of a weird concept, but um, but this is a f- yeah full on controllable thing. And um, but Ning Linux, it's yeah it runs Linux, which m- most of the games I have, except only one game I've discovered that I can't get to run. But I reckon if I play with this, it, it actually loads the game. Let you go right through the game, and it gets through all the selection screens, through all the titles, through all the graphics, through all the animations, and it crashes as it's about to load the level. <laughs> <laughs> so I reckon I can play around with the settings a bit more and get that to work. Yeah. But um, so you, you can reserve it on the Valve website for five dollars, unless you're in Australia, in which case you can't reserve it because Australia. Yep. Here you guys. <laughs> Um, and there's actually no release date for Australia, even though it's released worldwide on February 25th. We're not part of the it's world. No, we're not way. part of the world. Yeah, it doesn't have well, any Australia mention. Australia doesn't of, exist. We're just a bunch of paid actors. Well, we don't exist right up until the point where we have to buy a game that costs us twice as much as anyone else. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's pretty cool. I, look, if they weren't, they, they're going to be. There's no... There's a lot of guesses on prices. Nobody's they don't have an official price yet. So you can put your five dollars on to pre order it, but you basically have to buy it when it comes out, but they haven't told you how much it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm gonna say it's gonna be five hundred bucks, I reckon. So have to be at yeah, least. Be it's, a, guess. it's a pretty powerful little device. Yep. Um if it's and not have a, HDMI out and stuff. Yeah, oh look, it's, it's got to be at least five hundred. It's probably more, honestly, but it's going to be at least five hundred bucks. It's um, it comes in. What did I say before? Uh, was it sixty-four gig, two fifty-six gig, and five twelve gig versions? Yeah, something like that. I don't know why they went from sixty-four to two fifty-six. Apparently, <laughs> one twenty-eight is not a thing. Um, but it's like it's a yeah, it's a Linux-based thing. It's a, I think it's AMD-based from memory. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've looked at the specs. Um, but yeah, I've heard uh, prices anywhere from 500 US to 1500 US. Yeah. So we'll see. I'd love to have one, but not at that price. It's got to be like half of that before I'm even interested in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> AMD RDNA 2 graphics yep. with 8 CUs. It was. Variable yeah. frequency at 1 to 1.6 gig. Yeah, I thought it was an AMD. 40 watt hour lithium ion battery. And so they've come, they've done this really interesting thing where because it's a, it's not a tiny screen, it's a fairly decent screen, but because it's a smaller screen, they haven't actually dropped the resolution per se. It's still, you know, it comes across, it like identifies as 1080p resolution so that all the games, um, everything sits where it's supposed to sit in the game. But they've done like this weird weird resolution scaling where they've like taken out three of the four pixels or something mm-hmm. so that the screen thinks it's 1080 but it's not really or something and yeah. it basically saves processing power and makes the game run faster because it's not trying to make trying to display all these less pixels too. yeah it'd be, it would use less battery but when you dock it it can do up to 8k at 60 hertz 
Yeah, okay, 8K. But it doesn't actually do 8K. I mean, you, it could be 1080, it could be 720. You couldn't tell the difference, honestly. I mean, it's not that big. My, I can't tell no, the difference. No, I mean, when you dock it and it's outputting to your 8K TV. Yeah, I still don't think it'd be doing true 8K. Like, it'd be emulating. Okay. I can't, well, I mean, it might. But I can't see a graphics card that small being able to do a game in 8K. I mean, my card, my card doesn't even like doing 4K, <laughs> and it's not exactly a small card. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it does, but I, I would struggle to see how that would do that. But I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I've got a TV that does 4K. Yeah. But like 90% of the shows I watch in 720, unless it's really really dark, like a Batman or something, where it's shot of a night and in the dark in the fog with the lights turned off. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't really tell the difference between 720 and even 1080, let alone 4K. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, and on a screen this big, yeah, you're not gonna know. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't understand. Um, I can't get the hang of this whole 4K thing. I can't figure. As I said, I can't see the difference. It's I'm like happy uh, with my 1080 screens. Yeah, exactly. Like I was looking at, I was at Harvey Norman getting something the other day, and they had one of those curved, yep, 4K, I don't know, like 38 inch or 42 inch or something curved display, the panoramic ones. Yeah. So it's like narrow. It's like really weird aspect ratio. It's narrow and long, and it's one monitor. Um, and it's supposed to be 4K or 8K or something. I'm looking. I'm like. It just looks like a stretched version of my display. Like, I can't... <laughs> there's no difference to look at, unless I'm missing Better something. Better to have three monitors. Uh, well, I don't know. One monitor that had three times the workspace would be good, because you don't have the dividers. If I, could, if I could get the commercial Samsung monitors they use that don't have the edge bevels, and they just yep. have the top and bottom bevels, I'd be fine. I can handle <laughs> that. Um, but that was the weird part about the curved display. It it did look strange. Like your vision doesn't do this. Just because you yeah. can see this way doesn't yeah. mean your vision curves like this. So when you've got a <laughs> monitor that curves, you can't focus on more than one part of the monitor at a time. Yeah. Like, so you're looking here, and this is all blurry. You look over here, and this is all blurry. You know, and if you're playing a driving game. It's not like you've got a mirror here and a mirror here that you can see because it's not an optical distance thing. It's literally right here. And yep. to look at the mirror, you have to refocus from there to there and try and... <laughs> so doesn't help. It, it really doesn't work the way... Three monitors, it does. Three monitors actually works quite well because they're, they're set back and they're not bending and warping the pixels and the actual display they're flat screens that are set on an angle so your brain figures that out yeah um yeah i'm not a big fan of the the curved displays to be honest no. <laughs> they look cool i get i understand why people have them yeah but from a productivity standpoint or even a gaming standpoint i i no, no. <laughs> A little-known Chinese technology company that took over WeChat social media account set up for Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison said it wanted to buy an account with a large fan base in Australia and was unaware it was his. 
<laughs> Australian politician said Morrison's office lost access to the account on the platform owned by Chinese tech giant Tencent Holdings several months ago. Tencent. <laughs> I heard about them. The politicians claimed the move represented censorship amid growing diplomatic tensions between Canberra and Beijing, with a national election to be held in Australia in May. The account, which bore Morrison's photograph and posted information on his policies in Mandarin, targeted Australian voters of Chinese ethnic origin, had 76,000 followers. The account was renamed Australia China New Life in January (laughs) by its new Chinese owner, Fuzhou 985 Technology, based in Fujian Province, which notified followers the account would instead promote Chinese life in Australia. An employment from Fuzhou 985 Technology, who only gave his surname as Huang, said the company was not aware the account was previously connected to Mr. Morrison. He said the transfer of ownership was conducted with a Chinese male national living in Fuzhou, whose identity he declined to disclose. We thought this account had a large fan base, so we decided to buy it, said Huang, adding that the company was looking for an account whose target audience was the Chinese community in Australia. (laughs) He declined to say how much his company had paid to take over the account. (laughs) Australia's two major political parties have used the Chinese social media platform to communicate with Australian voters of Chinese ethnicity and tightly forged electorate since 2019. The ruling Liberal Party would have aimed to use Morrison accounts to promote its policies during the Chinese New Year celebration starting February 1. Both the Liberals and Labour Party set up WeChat accounts for their leaders through outsourced agencies. The Scott Morrison account was registered in 2019 using the name of Chinese citizen in mainland China as its account operator, WeChat WeChat records show and the government source confirmed. The agency handling Morrison's social media account lost access to it last July and emailed WeChat on January 10, saying it had acted on behalf of the Prime Minister and requesting the account be returned. Fergus Ryan, a senior analyst with the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, said having the Prime Minister's WeChat account registered under the name of a Chinese citizen was always risky and ill-advised and appeared to be a breach of WeChat rules. (laughs) At Fuzhou, 985 Technology, Huang said the company planned to delete the contents of the account, but would wait. Originally, we wanted to delete Morrison's previous posts. Now we are faced with this situation. We can only wait for 10 cents final reply. <laughs> That's Australian pollies for ya. So, Australia's politicians are using a Chinese program that's known to monitor traffic because clearly they know because they knew that it was a large account um that was set up by somebody in china yep. for the use of an australian public figure and still registered under his name and still registered under some local local chinese guy's name so he can resell it it's, it's his account technically well, exactly that's what i was going to say the Unless he's, he's got letting, some pretty, them use it. unless he's got some wicked contract going on, there's absolutely nothing stopping him from going. Yeah, sure, no worries. I'll take the million dollars, things. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, we we want to have a popular account. You've got one. How much do you want? There you go. And we've got the popular account to do whatever How we want. Dumb is that. <laughs> Man, I'd be curious to know how other, how many other. Um, Polly's have done the same thing. Like, 
because it's so hard to. I mean, with WeChat, it uh, it's it, that's the one that's phone number based, isn't it? I don't know. I don't. I use can't it. remember. I know we I use I used, WhatsApp. Or is it WhatsApp, WhatsApp that's phone number phone based? Numbers. Okay, so that's WhatsApp. So WeChat's not. So, yeah, I mean, it's obviously really hard to go to WeChat.com or whatever it is and go sign up for a new account because clearly you need to speak Chinese to do it. Seems it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin Rudd could speak Chinese for them. Maybe they could ask a favour of him. Yeah. Well, doing well, right? But, that, but that's what I'm thinking. Like, the only thing this story's done is set a precedent because if... If they've gone to the trouble to have somebody else set their account up and manage their account and run their account, how many other polys and not as politicians, but how many other powerful influencers, I guess you could call them, um, have done that? They've gone here. You, you, you just set that up. Well, they got they got some Chinese guy to set it up, then had a social media company in Australia manage it. Yeah. And translate his policies into Chinese, so he he did wasn't involved in any of it. So it's no wonder it no. went. How'd they lose control? Did they did he they have a password that the guy who owned it had set up, or was it his email address um, for recovery well, details? Because you had to be registered Chinese email address. Or well, a lot of these accounts I know um, don't. Like Facebook does, YouTube does, but a lot of accounts don't have like a tiered structure, so you can't have somebody else. No, but um, what I want to know is how if if I set up an account for you, you've got the username, password, you've got your email address. Yeah, I can't just ring up, ring up WeChat and say hi, give me Will's account well, back because I was the one who set it up. The thing is, though, how if you've, if you've got. If you've got the username, email, and password, which you would if you set it up, because you're the one who you set think it up. They should change that. <laughs> yeah, but if you're the one who's got it, I don't know if you can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the media people would just use the password they give because you provide them with those details. Like, it's the same thing if um, we have somebody post on our Facebook or Facebook and YouTube, and Google's okay because you can give somebody privileges, but someone like Twitter, you can only use that account you can't really set up a you know an, a separate account to give somebody rights to to do that so i would have to give no, but them... what i mean is if i set up an account for you then you can change the email address to your email email address for a password recovery then change the password i can't access that anymore no that's right which is so a, that's what they should have which is done. what i'm saying is probably what's happened here you know, they're probably not the media company it's probably the guy who originally set it up it was probably still under his email address. Yeah. So they found him, they they had, found him via that. Why would they leave that unless you had to have a Chinese email address to register a WeChat account? No, you don't. But that's the why, why would you get Joe Normal user to set up an account for you and then leave it 100% in his control for a government agency with a social media company who's he probably uh, hired to do it? He probably didn't even know that he had it. Yeah. The, the the media company probably would like either it's not a very good media company or because our technologically inept prime minister has just left the password as whatever Joe 
public was who set it up in the first place and his email address went, yeah, that'll be fine. He won't screw us over yeah, and sell that, their account. That's exactly what, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what's happened. Yeah. Like, they've just left it as the details he's provided because yeah. technically, I guess, well, see, technically you'd have to, like, if I give you my Twitter account details, <clears throat> then yes, okay, you can, like, if you have access to my emails because you want to post on Twitter and you need to verify them, then you're going to have that. So then, yes, you could go and change the password and username and email address on my Twitter account. But the thing is, if you're doing that for me commercially, you kind of can't because it's actually my account. You're just managing it. Yeah. So I'm still the one who's. But it wasn't his account. It wasn't the prime minister. It was his account, not the prime minister or the social media company in the middle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so he he probably <laughs> said, "No, you can't change the username and password." But boy, he's got it in the first place. That's that's a whole other animal altogether. Can we see a big security <laughs> risk here for a, a government. But that's what I was about to say. If if uh, if the prime minister's done that, who else has the same yeah. path? You know, the same. Well, they said both liberal, all the liberal and Labor MPs have got all the same same thing set up. Yeah, both yeah, the yeah. liberals and Labor Party that's set up right. WeChat accounts for their leaders through outsourced agencies. But that that's exactly right. Is the it, outsourced agency is it just the outsourced agency, or is it the guy? Well, yeah, is it they got yeah. it from somebody else? Yeah, that's, I mean, we'll find out in two weeks when suddenly no politicians have their WeChat accounts anymore. Somebody's going to be a scapegoat takedown for this. It's going to be the social media company in the middle. Wouldn't want to be them. Um, They're the ones who lost access to it, they said. But I mean, did that. Is account security their responsibility? I mean, it is so far as it's their responsibility to make sure that the information they have about your account isn't. isn't. Um, you know, hack or whatever. If I'm paying you but, a lot of money to manage my account, I want you to manage it and keep it for me. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, they're going to have all that stuff on file, and they that, but those that the information they had on file wasn't breached, so the breach didn't come from them. No, you know what I mean. Like, the, if you've got to blame someone, yeah, I know. the government. <laughs> That's what, yeah, exactly. they kicked the shit downhill. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one, actually. It'd be interesting to see what the repercussions are for this in, in the I couple months' time. I think it's just freaking hilarious. And in some respects, I hope it's not the last time this happens. I hope this happens quite regularly. <laughs> so it's um a good way to wake them up a little bit and make them realise that they are as stupid as everyone else thinks they are. Yep. <laughs> They'll never realise that because they're too stupid to. I know, but you know. Stupid is, stupid does. Wishful so. thinking, right? <laughs> That's it for me. How about you? Yeah, that'll do. Done an hour. It's been a long Thanks time. for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us, Willow Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com 24 7 playback of tech related shows. See you next time. Bye. 